0: This is a rapper room production. Strong. If I quit now, then I'm dead wrong. Fighting off this hunger for hours. Big step, make nigga don't get stepped on. The money, my favor, respect on. Still gonna be me when success gone. I don't speak the language of cowards. I walk through the flame like I'm Teflon. I suck up the pain and I kept going. Oh, where I know my name, bitch, my rep strong. We sold out in less than an hour. These words I still saying like I'm slept on. I sense so I can't cast the next stone. Unless this forgets round my neck bone. Inside of my frame lies a power. You can't get this game from no TED talk. I want to know if they understand me. I put it all on A. Ain't no plan B. Hoping all is where they ain't to tell me. But got graves already. And welcome back. You are now rocking with the best it is keeping it 200 episode 13 it's May 31 2021 happy memorial day to everybody out there celebrating it um big big weekend uh first time back since Saturday and we got a lot to cover uh today's keeping it 200 episode is going to be two episodes entirely separate One will just be on the AEW pay per view because there's too much stuff to cover on the AEW pay per view. And episode 13 is going to be recapping the NBA playoffs from this past weekend. Um, We're going to go ahead and kick it off now with um, what happened in day seven of the NBA playoffs and day eight last night and try to go ahead and preview day nine. Um, Right now, two games on tap for tonight. It's the 76ers who are up 3-0 against the Wizards. Looking to go ahead and get the sweep in Washington. And that game starts off in about 30 minutes um, from now. If you live on the East Coast or West Coast. Um, and of course the nine thirty game will be the Memphis Grizzlies-Utah Jazz game. Um, let's go ahead and just preview day 9's games before we get into anything. The Sixers are favorite minus 9 on the road, uh, don't see any reason why the Sixers shouldn't cover the 9-point spread and win by 10 or more. Jazz Grizzlies, plus 5.5. Be an underdog, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to take the underdog Grizzlies, plus 5.5. Um, the Jazz Grizzlies games have been really close. So I'm actually surprised this line is not closer to 8 or 9, but it's at plus 5.5. Um, The Jazz-Grizzlies game starts at 9.40 p.m. East. 7.10 p.m. East is the Sixers-Wizards. There's pretty much not really a lot to be said about the Sixers-Wizards series now at this point because Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, they've literally carried the Wizards as far as they could get. And the Sixers have been playing a lot more better defensively in the last two games outside of their game one. And then, of course, we've got the Utah Jazz Memphis Grizzlies. Sorry, I muted. I thought I had to sneeze. But um, the Jazz Grizzlies um, could definitely see the Grizzlies pulling off the upset in Game 4 tonight. It's Grizzlies are going to probably get another upset win. And John Morant, I could definitely see him going off and getting over 40. Could. Anyway, so. Those were the two games on tonight's um, schedule, so let's go ahead and just get into this weekend. It was Saturday. This is day seven of the NBA playoffs that we're now recapping. The Milwaukee Bucks beat the Miami Heat in four um, with the Bucks winning this uh, 120-103. It was... I thought Miami was going to probably win game four. It just just seemed like it was in the cards, and then Miami just – they didn't have enough fuel in the tank. They just – they really did not. You know, halftime, it was 64-57 Miami, and you thought, okay, Miami actually might win this. You thought, okay, they might actually win this, and then the third quarter is where they just ran out of steam. Third quarter, yeah, uh, Chris Middleton – on four of eight with 12 points in just the third quarter alone. Um, That was the big contributor. But Miami in the third quarter just ran out of steam. They only had Goran Dragic with five points as the starter. No other starters scored except Dragic and Bam Adebayo. And then Kendrick Nunn, um, well, actually, yeah, Kendrick Nunn with, what was it, like eight points in that third quarter? And that was the only points that really Miami could get and then, of course, right after that, it was 91-85 Milwaukee, and I just said, Milwaukee's probably going to go ahead and now finish this off, and Miami actually did. Um, Milwaukee actually did, sorry. Um, Milwaukee even outscored the Bucks in the second half, 63-39. Fourth quarter was 29-18. But the Heat really did come out and actually play better than what they were, it, 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 you have to actually look at this game, and you have to think this is probably the best Heat game since Game One. With the with that being said though, Miami's best game was Game One, and they could have actually won that. And this was just, it was just bad. It was just a bad thing for Miami. Jimmy Butler in that first half, he had ten points. He was three of eight. Orisa had eleven points. Bam bio with 10, Tyro Hero had 10, you know, even Andre Iguodala, you know, looked good in in what was, you know, he actually looked really good in the first half, and then everything just fell off the rails. Um, just Just a bad, just a bad game for Miami in the second half, but first half they actually looked like they were really going to win this and at least get one game, it just didn't happen. Of course, um, um, overall though, Chris Milton twenty points, Giannis twenty, Brooke Lopez twenty five, Byron Forbes twenty two. Byron Forbes had more points in this playoff series than Jimmy Butler did. Um, and you know, this is this is a really concerning game for Miami. Their their biggest score was Bam Adebayo with twenty on ten of seventeen. Jimmy Butler had 12 points on 4 of 15. Trevor had 11 points on 4 of 8. Tyler Hero probably had his best game of the series despite shooting terrible from 3 of from 7. He had 14 points on 5 of 13. And of course, none was 7 of 15 with 18 points. And now the story comes from Miami. Their playoffs is over. And what's the future of Miami looking like? Um, right now, Miami has to get some shooters. They really need to go out there and invest in some more shooters. Victor Oladipo, if you think he's going to be the answer in Miami, I would not bet on it because Oladipo won't be ready to go till November. And knowing NBA, pe- and knowing the NBA's protocols on injuries, he probably won't be playing a game till December. So it's going to be a very long time and, and Miami really needs to get some shooters because Jimmy Butler cannot be the top score. Tyler hero. There's going to be questions if you can trade him in the off season. And if there is a great trade package to trade Tyler hero to get maybe a, like say a lottery team really wants to go in and buy or invest and, and invest in Tyler hero. Then I say, go for it. Um, I do know the Cleveland Cavaliers were, Maybe exploring a trade option for Colin Sexton. Maybe Miami could work something out. Kendrick Nunn is a free agent. Uh Nunn, there's there's been reports where Nunn could be getting fifteen to twenty million a year, which I I don't know if I would invest in Kendrick Nunn fifteen to twenty million a year. Um but you know, Miami Miami has to just get better offense. Their defense, for whatever you want to say, actually was really good this year. It just did not show in games two to four in the playoffs. But game one in the playoffs, it really did show. And it really did show as well with Giannis uh, in in Miami. Because Giannis in Miami did not go off and really have these games. Yes, Giannis did have a triple-double. This was the... Um, third time in Bucks history that he did that. I, I actually said that live on Saturday when I mean, it happened because Giannis had twenty and fifteen and twelve, and th- that's going to be the big thing going forward. Uh, Drew Holiday he had eleven points, nine assists. Shout out to him. Um, and Jimmy Butler really did really did play his heart out. Twelve points, ten assists, you know, ten rebounds. He had a triple double himself, but it just wasn't enough. Bam bio 20 points, 14 rebounds. You know, this was it was just a it's just a game where Miami's gonna have to get better. Miami's just gonna have to get better offensively. They cannot rely on being cheap offensively. They're gonna have to actually go out there and I would say get a trade for Colin Sexton if you can. Um I don't know what Miami can really offer, but if they can offer something for Colin Sexton, or maybe the Cavs might want to ditch Colin Sexton for pennies on the dollar. You don't know. It just depends on how the lottery favors Cleveland. If Cleveland is a top-three pick, I could see the Cavaliers saying, you know what, we can trade Colin Sexton for less and get someone like Tyra Hero back and maybe a first-round pick in the future. You know, you could do that. But if the Cavs' pick is not in the top-three or top-five, then then it could be a little bit troublesome. Um, points in the paint, though, Miami um, was outscored fifty to forty-two. As far as big lead changes, Milwaukee was up by nineteen at one point. Miami was up by twelve at one point. This only had three ties and one lead change. And once my, and once Milwaukee got the lead change, that was it. Second chance points, Milwaukee twenty-three to seven. And fast break points, Miami actually did have more, 16 to 11. So uh, shooting-wise, Milwaukee did shoot better. But first half, though, they did not. So percentages were really close, 46% to the 44% of Miami. Milwaukee did have two more threes than Miami, 13 to 11. However, Miami did shoot the three-pointers better because they took less. And free throws, you know, Milwaukee got three more attempts really than than um Miami did. As far as rebounding, it was really it was actually that was what told the story with Milwaukee winning it 56 to 40 in the rebound advantage. So huge, huge win for them. And that's all that could really be said about this series. For Milwaukee now they go on and wait for Brooklyn or they wait for Boston. And it will more than likely be Brooklyn now. Um, which we'll get to in a bit, because Brooklyn had a beautiful game last night, probably the most beautiful offensive game you could have, literally, in a playoff game on the road. And we'll get to that and more. Um, how about this here though? For the Saturday is one as part two of our four games in the association. The Portland Trailblazers went ahead and tied it up two-two. Before leaving to go back out to the Pepsi Center in the Mile High Arena in Denver, they won one fifteen ninety five, and this was what I've been saying entirely this entire series. You know, finally, it, it, this is finally it was actually for the first time Portland actually played with defense. It was like probably the first time that we've seen this all year where we've seen something opposite. For example, Denver is known for having one of the best defenses in the league. Portland all year has been a bottom five defensive team. And in this game, Portland probably had its best defensive game of the year. They held Denver under a hundred incredible held Denver to 34% shooting held Denver to under 30% shooting from three Portland shot 50% shooting, 36% from three, and they were able to get to the free throw line more, despite the fact that they only made one more free throw than Denver, you know, they were able to finally just do the right things, and it just seemed like forever Portland would probably never have good defense, and this was finally the first game that they actually had it. Um, Norman Powell was the leading scorer for Portland, 29 points on 11 of 15, 4-4 four, four from 3 with um, 29 points, I just said. Um, a steal, 2 blocks. Damian Lillard, who's been the Portland Trailblazer scorer, was only 1 of was one of 10 with 10 points. Um, Plus-minus-wise, if you want to look at it as the analytics would say, then Damian Lillard was the best player because he provided the most. Damian Lillard did have 10 assists. He had eight rebounds, so Willard still almost had a triple double despite really not doing anything offensive. Man, sorry, I I've, I feel like I've got to sneeze, but I'm not yet. So if I do mute this, like, don't take it the wrong way, people. I'm literally thinking I have to sneeze and I don't. I'm just getting water, anyways. Um, for the trailblazers cj McCollum nine of 19 21 points he was two of six from three not good from it really wasn't good shooting from portland's you know guys of McCollum and lillard carmelo anthony he was five of 11 12 points on two of five from three and this was this was really portland playing great defense portland finally had a answer for defense um And Portland was able to stop the guys. Michael Porter Jr. only had three field goal attempts in 22 minutes. He had three points on five rebounds. We had Aaron Gordon. He was two of seven with six points. You had uh, Nokila Jokic, seven of 18, 16 points. And it was just – it was literally just finally Portland actually had an answer for Jokic. They actually had an answer. For Porter, they had an answer for Gordon. They had an answer for Austin Rivers because Austin Rivers came back and was two of five with just eight points. Um, and this was finally, you know, and and you can't even say that this was Damian Lillard doing this. This was Norman Powell and C.J. McCollum really running the offense. But defensively, this was actually Portland's best defensive game of the year that I can honestly thank Portland. What really helped them execute was the third quarter. They outscored the Denver nuggets 36 to 19 in the third quarter. And after that, that was pretty much it that you just needed to know. Denver never led once in this game. Portland at the latest in this game was up by 33 at one point. So opposite way because and Michael Malone, afterwards, said in the press conference that they didn't have no defense, they didn't have no effort. And hopefully they do in game five. So um, this was actually, but this is actually a really tough story. If Portland can play like this, then Portland is really going to be something huge. But Portland's got to actually be able to play defense consistently. You can't just have one game where they just only play, you know, just one game defensively and that's it. You've got to be able to play better than that. You've got to. For Denver, though, if Denver can fix everything that they did wrong in Game 4, which if I was Denver Nuggets head coach Michael Malone, I would literally just throw that out the window and just go back to what's been winning you those games in Games 2 and 3 and even in Game 1, you know? Because they were able to stop Damian Lillard, and that was the big answer. They could stop Lillard. Now they've just got to figure out how to – Slow down Norman Powell and C.J. McCollum. In the part three of the four games on Saturday, we had the Philadelphia 76ers-Washington Wizards. This was in Washington. And Joel Embiid had a playoff career high of 36 points. He had eight rebounds, two assists, three steals, a block. Beautiful night from Embiid. Danny Green was 5-9 of from three. He had 15 points. We had um, Ben Simmons, 14 points on 7-10, 9 assists, 5 rebounds, a steal. And this was just good basketball in Philadelphia. Philadelphia won 132-103. Philadelphia shot the ball, 17 threes on 51% shooting from outside the arc, 58% shooting field goal-wise. Washington, um, we're finally starting to... This is finally what the playoff series really should have been for Washington. Washington shot under 40%. They did not shoot the three ball well. They shot under 23%. Um, And Philadelphia out-rebounded them. They out-assisted them. This was just what it was supposed to be. Russell Westbrook, 9 of 18, 26 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists. He finally got his first triple-double of the actual playoffs, not play-in, play-offs. Bradley Beal, 10 of 26 with 25 points, 1 of 8 from 3. Um, and that's pretty much it for the Washington Wizards. That's, those were the only two players they really had that had over 20. Uh, shout Daniel Gafford for Washington. He was 6 of 8 with 16 points and 6 rebounds, so huge stuff off the bench for him. But just a bad game for Washington. But this is what it was actually supposed to be. Philadelphia was up by 31 at one point. And this is actually what this is actually what the series is supposed to be about. Just Philadelphia just beating Washington clean. And that's what this was. Just a clean victory. And then, of course, in our last game of the night for Saturday night of day seven of the NBA playoff recap, we had the Utah Jazz. Um, go ahead and beat the Memphis Grizzlies, one twenty-one, one eleven. We had um, John Morant, twenty-eight points on ten of twenty-three, two of seven from three. Dylan Brooks, eleven of twenty-four, one of seven, twenty-seven points. Um, he was eleven twenty-four, one of seven from three. Um, Kyle Anderson, slow mo, five of thirteen, one of five from three, eleven points. Um, not good shooting though. Just not good shooting from from memphis outside of the threes in their starting rotation grayson allen though off the bench shout out to the brotherhood 6 of 11 5 of eight 3, 17 points great stuff from grayson allen right there jazz were able to do this though with donovan mitchell 9 of 23 2 of th- 10 from 3 that's very worrisome but donovan mitchell had 29 points You had Mike Conley, 8 of 16. He was 7 of 10 from 3. That was a big help for for Utah Utah with 27. And Utah had 6 players in double figures compared to the 5 Memphis had with 4 in starters, with 4 starters in double figures. But Memphis had all 5 of their starters in double figures and 1 off the bench. And this was just... Utah playing very good basketball. It seems like now, ever since Game 1, Utah's actually playing like what they actually should have been playing like. And that's actually a number one seed. They shot 19 threes compared to the 13 Memphis had. They shot the ball way better at 50% nearly. Memphis was shooting 43%. But I've said this here before. I'm not counting out the Grizzlies yet. Grizzlies outscored them in the paint, though. 54-34. to Second chance, 21-10, to 10, and fast break points was 12-8. to eight. So I'm still not ruling out Memphis yet to win a game at home. And Memphis actually might be able to win this game at home and tie it up at 2-2 because I still think that Memphis can still pull off an upset at home. If they don't, there's nothing to be upset about for Grizzlies fans because Grizzlies are literally playing the best basketball and they're not even getting the credit that they're due. And they're keeping these games really close. That's one thing that Memphis has got to – that's one thing Memphis is not getting credit for. They're really keeping these games close, and they're really playing with house money. The only big things that they have to start doing, though, is they've got to get Mike Conley not shooting the three well, just like Donovan Mitchell. They've got to be able to just make these big stops. You know, like Rudy Gobert, 15 points, 14 rebounds, you know, they've, and four blocks. They've got to be able to, you know, they've got to be able to just play better as far as defensively. Now it's not about the offense because I feel like Memphis actually does have a better offense when you look at the stats on paper. But defensively, though, they just don't have the defense. They just don't have it. And that's just what's killing Memphis right now. For Sunday, it was day 8 of the NBA playoffs. This is now all Sunday games now. The Atlanta Hawks won one thirteen ninety six, And... There's not really a lot to talk about in this. New York's not shooting the ball at all good at all now. Derrick Rose is literally their best scorer. You can just see it. Um, Yes, Julius Randle actually did have his best game of the series with 7 of 19, 2 of 4 from 3, 23 points and 10 rebounds. Which is fine and everything, but if you saw the entire game, you would have never been saying... Julius Randle had this good of a game. You would have not been saying that. Derrick Rose, 7 of 15. He had, um, what was it, 18 points. R.J. Barrett was 8 of 15. He had 21 points. This was just a game to me where I just felt like, I mean, you saw this game. You thought maybe New York might have a chance in the first quarter. And then they blew that. Trey young nine of 21 4 of 14 from three a little worrisome 27 points you had John Collins six of ten with 22 points you had Bogdan Bogdanovich he had 12 compella had 10 on 15 rebounds um shout out to Danilo Garanari, six of nine 21 points right off the bench four of eight from um three uh sorry one sorry he was one four from three but Kevin Herder 3 of 5 from 3 on 4 of a 7 with 11 points. Six players for the Atlanta Hawks, four starters, two off the bench in double figures. 15 threes, got to the free throw line way more 26 of 28 at the line against the Knicks 19 of 23. This and you know out-rebounded them 48 to 39. Everything that I really liked about this of the Hawks. The Hawks have been playing perfect. They've just been playing perfect. Points in the paint, though, they just don't have that. This was actually the game where the Knicks actually had them in more points in the paint. Second chance in fast break, but it just was not going the Knicks' way. It just didn't. First half was actually really close. Uh, first half was, what, 40-53 to 53 Atlanta. And you thought this is pretty much going to be it for the Knicks, and it was and that was pretty much going to be the final answer. But but the first quarter, though, the Knicks were up. And you thought, okay, the Knicks might have a chance. And then when the Knicks were down by 13, you thought, okay, well, the Knicks still might have a chance. And then, then you got to the third quarter. That's when Atlanta just put the dagger in there. Um, but this is now – but now Atlanta's up 3-1. I'm not solely convinced that Atlanta can win game five because it's in New York. And I believe that game is Wednesday. So, honestly, I'm not, I'm not safe on betting on Atlanta to win Game 5. I think the Knicks can win Game 5, but I don't know if they can win Game 6 in Atlanta. But I've always said this here before because I've watched Atlanta Hawks basketball over the years, especially the last decade or so. When I mean, Atlanta has a lead in the playoffs, they don't keep it. So, hopefully Atlanta can close out this playoff series. And that's going to be Nate McMillan's job now is to get them to close out this playoff series for the Knicks. What they got to do going forward. They got Julius Randle is probably going to have a big game in game five and RJ Barrett's going to need to be able to have a big game in game six. You know, they can't get into these technical fouls and everything like that with Julius Randle getting a flagrant um, in the fourth, you know, you know, Reggie Bullock, you know, for all the shit Reggie Bullock was talking about Atlanta fans, he had zero points and they lost two games in Atlanta. So Reggie Bullock's going to have to come out and have a better game in game five. He's going to have to go out there and just play lights out basketball. But for Atlanta, right. But for New York right now, I think they can win game five. I don't know if they can win game six. Um, But, I, I definitely – but with the fans and MSG, I can't see a reason why the Knicks can't win Game 5. I'd be shocked if the Knicks couldn't win Game 5 Um, and Atlanta wins it in 5. It would be – it would actually be shocking and it would actually kind of be a little bit of a damper because I don't think that a lot of people expect Atlanta to win in 5 like that. And I don't think a lot of people expected Atlanta to have a 3-1 lead. I, thought, I think a lot of people may have thought it would be a 2-2 series tie. But this was – but this is literally just – Atlanta. Atlanta's got the best defense right now. They've got an underrated defensive team. They've got scores that can just come off and just shoot whenever they need it. And they and they're holding the and they're holding Julius Randle to bad games. This was Julius Randle's best game. But they finally, you know, they actually are playing really good defense. And they and they fixed a lot of their stuff that they had in the regular season. With Randle, he, he was averaging thirty-seven in the regular season. In the three games that they played against Atlanta, Randle has not been able to do that. So, good stuff right there from Atlanta. In our second game of Sunday, it was the Lakers that lost 100-92 to the Phoenix Suns. Here's all that you need to know about this game. Anthony Davis was hurt in the second quarter. Anthony Davis did not return. Anthony Davis is doubtful for Game 5 versus the Suns, which... I can actually see when that next game would be for the Lakers. And it is Tuesday, tomorrow at 10 p.m. So the Lakers are going to Phoenix with no AD, just LeBron. And LeBron was on 10 of 21, 25 points, 1 of 7 from 3. You know, for you know, I, I love the people that was saying how Kyle Kuzma was 2 of 12 and he did all these things. Well, Kyle Kuzma lost. And he was 4 of 11 on 1 of 5 from 3 with 11 points. So so I, so I didn't hear nobody defend Kyle Kuzma right after this and say, well, Kyle Kuzma did these things. No, no Kyle Kuzma lost. Sorry. That's just how it goes, people. like when, Here's the thing. You can be like Rob Perez and show me all these defensive – and you can show me all these things that, like, oh, it's hard to convince people that this – that's cool and all. But when you lose the game – You're not defending that player right after. You're just not – you're not going to do that, which is why the stats to me when it comes to like, well, he did this and he did that and he got the second chance points and all that. That's cool and all, but it's about the W, and the Lakers lost this game, and Kyle Kuzma started the second half, and in Kuzma starting that second half, they did not get better. You know, what was it, Kuzma in the second half? Yeah, Kuzma two of six in the second half with a minus 13 plus minus. So it's hard for me to say, well, Kyle Kuzma did this. You know, no, no. Like if you're Rob Perez, don't be like one of these dumb motherfuckers that think, oh, well, if I say this here, then, you know, no, no. Like just say Kyle Kuzma had a bad game, whether they win or lose, because it's not going to matter. The Lakers lost. They're down. It's now tied 2-2. And now they're going to really need to rely on Kyle Kuzma to start shooting the ball well. Because Kuzma can't be two for six the next game. He just can't be. If he is, the Lakers are going to lose. LeBron is literally going to have to now try to score over 30 a game. Andre Drummond was, what, two of three. Andre Drummond only had three attempts. He had ten rebounds and five points, but Andre Drummond is going to have to get out there and score 20 and 10. Of course we talked about AD leaving. AD though before he left actually was um had 6 points, 4 rebounds in the 19 minutes he played. And the Phoenix Suns, you know, for all we're talking about the Lakers and everything, let's give credit to Phoenix. Outscored them points in the paint 44 to 36. Outscored them fast break 16 to 13. Uh Chris Paul said after um in the press conference that he said that he told Devin Booker and Deandre Ayton That if I'm playing like shit, let me know, and I'll take myself out the game so that way we can have a chance to win. Chris Paul, though, shoulder's still not intact. He was 7 of 15, but he did everything that he had to do. 18 points, 9 assists. That's all that matters. Um, All five players were in double figures for Phoenix with one off the bench, so they had six players in double figures. For the Lakers, they only had four in double figures with LeBron only being the only one that had double figures in starting. And Kyle Kuzma with 11. You had Alex Caruso, 3 of 8, with 10. And Marcus Gasol, 4 of 6, with 12 points. And, you know, now comes this point here where the Lakers are really going to have to be better shooting. They're going to have to be. Wesley Matthews cannot be 2 of 5. You can't have Dennis Schroeder, 3 of 13, 2 of 6 from 3. And the Lakers actually still shot the 3 better than Phoenix. The problem was... They just did not have enough at the end of the day for the defense because the defense for the Phoenix Suns was way better. You had Jay Crowder, who who doesn't get enough credit, I feel, as a defensive player because people want to roast him and everything, and that's fine. He was 6 of 12. He was 3 of 8 from 3. But defensively, though, Jay Crowder did everything right that he did not do in the last game, and he went back and fixed every mistake that he did and got the W for them. DeAndre Ayton was 6 of 8 with 14 points, but he had 7 rebounds, and he had a block. He And he had 2 steals. That was huge. Jay Crowder with 2 steals and a, a block. You had Devin Booker, 5 of 14. Yes, he had 17 points, and he was 5 of 14 on 1 of 5 from 3. But with the 7 rebounds, 5 assists with the steal, that's what came through. Big thing for Devin Booker, he's going to have to work on those turnovers. 5 turnovers was way too many. LeBron had six, but, Le- um, but of course LeBron always is a high turnover guy. Booker's going to have to fix those turnovers because L.A. will try to capitalize on that. you know. And, and then, of course, we talk about Mikael Bridges. Mikael Bridges, was he didn't have a good game last game. And then he came out 4 of 12. He was 3 of 8 from 3, but Mikael Bridges was shooting that ball and was shooting better. Cameron Payne has stepped up the last couple of games. 5 of 12, 13 points. Great to see confidence from Cameron Payne. The only thing Phoenix is going to have to do now that, they've con- now that they've stopped the Anthony Davis problem, so Phoenix should get this win in Game 5. And, I'll, and I'm going to give you the reasons why Phoenix should win in Game 5 tomorrow night. There's no Anthony Davis, so this is perfect for Phoenix. Because Anthony Davis was the big reason that they could not win these last two games. That was the big thing that was keeping... That was the big thing that was actually really keeping them really down, was Anthony Davis, they were sending him to the free throw line too much in Game 2. Game three, they just let AD just start scoring. And that was the issue. Now, there's no Anthony Davis problem, so you should be fine with this. The other thing that Phoenix is going to have to do, there, Phoenix is going to have to get better at shooting the three-pointers. Uh, Chris Paul was 0-3, Devin Booker was 1-5, and Crowder and Bridges were 3-of-8, which was a combined 6-of-16. 6 That's not going to get it done on, in the playoffs. That's just not it. Maybe for a regular season game, but not in the playoffs. And another big thing that's actually going to have to work, too, is that Devin Booker, if Devin Booker can come out and have 35 or 40, Phoenix is going to win this game. And another big thing that Phoenix is going to have to just do is, if you can't stop LeBron, because LeBron is going to try and go for 35 or 40 himself, stop guys like Andre Drummond. Stop the guys like Drummond and Kyle Kuzma, because... Those are going to be the second and third scores for the Lakers right now. It could be Schroeder, and it could be West Matthews, but with the way mess, but the way that that's going, if I were the Lakers, I'm thinking that they're going to try and, you know, make Schroeder. Um, well, sorry, they're going to try and make Drummond, you know, into Anthony Davis. They're going to try and feed him a lot in paint. If DeAndre Ayton can stop Drummond, perfect. If the Lakers Kyle Kuzma still is shooting terrible. Phoenix is going to win this. And Phoenix should win this game. Game 5, I say Phoenix covers this game. They should definitely win this game. I, I can't see a reason why Phoenix can't win Game 5. In our third game of the night on Sunday, and this was the games, and now these games were competing with AEW pay-per-view, double or nothing. We had the Brooklyn Nets, Boston Celtics, and the 9:30 game was the... Clippers, Mavericks. Here's what I want to get into before I get into this stuff about the Boston Celtics-Brooklyn Nets. To NBA fans, um, could, could we please stop throwing shit at people? Like, I understand that you're pissed that your team loses. I get that. You know, if you want to insult them, I'm not okay with it, but... I would rather... You, NBA players can deal with insults. But when you're starting to throw water bottles, spitting, popcorn, whatever, it's not... That's not cool. Um, I understand that there was a lot of Celtics fans that were pissed that Kyrie Irving had this great game. But to throw a water bottle after the game, and then and then you get caught... You know, and now you're banned from life. Can we just stop that? Like, for real. Like, I, I feel like this has now happened too much in the playoffs. And I feel like it's going to keep happening. But it's very annoying. And it's actually going to get a fan killed before it hurts. Before Because it, trust me, I tell you, NBA player, you know, and then not to mention too, imagine if you do this on a road game. Say this was a road game in Brooklyn. And the Celtic fan threw this. Who says that Brooklyn fans wouldn't have just thrown him down there and he wouldn't have gotten his ass whooped, or by a fan? Um, but come on, we're 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 trying to get back to normal, you know, as a society of whatever normal is. But this stuff of you know throwing shit and trying to get on ESPN and trying to get on that's that ain't gonna get you nowhere. Um, can we just stop that? That's that's all I want to say for this message here. Um, am I shocked that it happened? No, but I just felt I had to say that. I know there's gonna be people that are probably just asking why didn't you say this about the Russell Westbrook incident? Because every NBA analyst made the great point. Charles Barkley made the great point that you know, fans should have got his ass whooped, you know, and everything like that. But I just felt like this one was just a little too insulting. You know, because you you would think after the – and this was after the um, Russell Westbrook incident, and this was after the Trey Young incident. You'd think the fan would have actually not tried that, but he did. So, of course, Brooklyn beats Boston. This was probably the best offensive game I've ever seen in a playoffs. Probably. Don't hold me to this. But Brooklyn – 141-126, 141-126, let's go ahead and let's get out this narrative how, well, Brooklyn gave up 126 points, they don't have defense, <laughs> like, shut the fuck up, you you can't appreciate this from the Brooklyn Nets, shut the fuck up, because I, I gotta hear motherfuckers like Rob Perez say, well, 2 of 12 is this and that, it's like, no. No. Rob Perez can defend 2 for 12 bullshit. I'm going to defend 141 points in a W. That's what I can bring to the table. Brooklyn had the perfect game last night. 141 points. And let's just talk about this here. James Harden, 8 of 12. 18 assists, 23 points. He nearly had a 20-20 night. Kyrie Irving after coming back and having a terrible game 3. Game 4, 11 of 24, 6 of 12 from 3, 11 of 11 from the free throw line. He had 11 rebounds, 39 points. That is perfecto. Along with two steals. He only had one turnover by the way Kyrie did. Kevin Durant, who everyone was talking about having well Durant had a terrible game 1 but yet Brooklyn won, but I guess but I guess but I guess it's like the NBA's narrative of fans I guess, like, we have to, like, talk shit about, you know, Kevin Durant shooting bad from three, but you don't talk shit about other players shooting bad from three, but we can defend two of the 12 bullshit. Great. And Kevin Durant, 14 of 20, three of three from three, 11 of 11 from the free throw line, five assists, four rebounds, a steal, two blocks on 42 points. This was literally... A perfect night for the Brooklyn Big Three. And if Brooklyn can play like this every playoff game, and if Brooklyn plays like this against Milwaukee, Milwaukee's not going to keep up with that offense. So hopefully my, um, hopefully Milwaukee is taking everything that they've did defensively and putting it towards looking at now Brooklyn. Because Brooklyn's going to be a tough matchup. Um, but I've said this here before. Jason Tatum needs sixty, or Brooklyn in five. Jason Tatum had forty. He was ten of twenty-two. He was three of seven from three. He was seventeen of seventeen from the free throw line. Seven rebounds, five assists, two blocks, and a steal. And Tatum did have forty points, but outside of that, there was no, there was not really a lot to talk about. Evan Fournier five of fifteen, two of nine for three, sixteen points. Kemba Walker, um, what was it? Um, yeah, anyway, yeah. Kemba Walker actually did not play, huh? Sure. But anyways, but Marcus Smart, 4 of 12, 16 points, 2 of 9 from 3. This was just not, this really was just not Boston's game. It just wasn't, you know, and Boston, you know, yes, Boston kept this game close, as close as they could, but when you have better offense, it's just gonna just show. Brooklyn was up by 27 at one point, you know points in the paint they outscored them outscored uh, brooklyn outscored boston 42 32 second chance points celtics did have that 18 to 15 and fast break points the celtics did have that 12 to 9 but you know here's the reason here's the reason why though you look at brooklyn and yes stats wise will tell you that they kept the game close but honestly this game was not close if you look at this if you look at the box scores of just brooklyn shooting 58 percent from the field from three. Um, Boston was 43.5% shooting from the field, 34% from the three-pointers. You know, what kept Boston in this game was 42 free-throw attempts. And for Brooklyn, I'm not really saying that they're not even – I'm not going to worry about game five because I know Brooklyn's going to win game five. But for Brooklyn, though, in the next series, they're going to have to cut the free-throws down. They cannot be fouling Milwaukee. Or maybe or maybe it will work, and maybe they can just do the hack of Giannis. Um, but it's going to be, you know, but you can't be sending free-throw guys to the line like that because 42 free-throw attempts was way too much. But when I mean, you look at everything else Brooklyn did, Brooklyn played perfect, and that's all that matters. Brooklyn won the game. They had their big three have these, the big three had their perfect nights. And, you know, shout-out to Bruce Brown. 6 of 10, 14 points. I named a player that was not one of the big three. And Joe Harris was 5 of 9 with 4 or 5 from 3 with 14 points. And that's all that matters. And Brooklyn gets a big victory. Brooklyn was able to just still play this game great. And Brooklyn, I don't, I don't see any reasons why Brooklyn can't play this great come game five. Because when's game five? Yep, game five is Tuesday. So I'm pretty sure Brooklyn will go ahead and win this, and we'll probably be getting Brooklyn-Milwaukee soon right after. But good stuff, though, from Brooklyn. It was just a perfect night. Had to shout out Kyrie Irving. Had to shout out to the brotherhood of Duke Blue Devils. I love that I can shout out the Duke Blue Devils every podcast episode because it's always like a Duke player is doing something great. Austin Rivers, Grayson Allen, Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum. I'm proud of that. That makes me happy as a Duke fan, you know. Really what makes me happy, though, is not the bullshit on social media. It's not the bullshit of people getting upset at um, Udonis Haslam for trying to give the Miami Heat, you know, some passion, you know. And people saying, well, you only played three minutes all season. You know, NBA fans are going to be NBA fans. They're not going to be the smartest in the world, and that's okay. But what makes me happy at the end of the day is seeing all the Duke Blue Devil players have these incredible playoff games, and you're seeing it nightly, and it just makes me happy. That just makes me happy. Um, I, I care less about the bullshit of all this other stuff, but that makes me happy. Shout out to Kyrie and shout out to Jason Tatum. Both of them had great games, and Jason Tatum, I've said this here before, he's a 2022 NBA's MVP, So, and I still believe that. How about this year, though? In our last game of the night, the Clippers went ahead and tied it up 2-2 against the Mavericks. This was weird. Not in a bad way, but just, well, bad way if you're Dallas, good way if you're Clippers. For the Mavericks, Luka Doncic had a neck injury. Luka, after the game, said he felt better. He was just suffering, I guess, a neck stinger. Probably a sore neck. That's what I would say. He was 9 of 24, 1 of 7 from 3, 19 points. So this was Luka's worst game officially in this playoff series, if you want to say worst. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr., though, it's like the Clippers said, you know what? We're, we can't stop Luka, but we can stop these other guys. And, and that's finally what Tyron Lue did. Tim Hardaway Jr. was 1 of 8. He had 4 points. The Mavericks really need a wing defender. That just showed to me in this. Kawhi Leonard, but, but however, however, I want to say this here before I get into the stats. These things were so obvious in the first two games, because the Clippers technically were playing better than the Mavericks and were keeping these games close. The problem was Patrick Beverly could not guard Luka. So now we're finally seeing the actual things at hand that you're supposed to be seeing, Granted, though, Tim Hardaway Jr. was playing good. Chris Stapps was able to still be a solid contributor. And that was the big issue. Now, now you're seeing it where now Kawhi and Paul George are really having the games that they want, won. But they were already having these games. It's just – it just was not showing. And now it's starting to finally show. So, so this was tough. Um, Kawhi Leonard, 11-15, 29 points. 10 rebounds um we had paul george 6 of 16 3 of 6 from 3 with 20 points reggie jackson was 5 of 12 15 points on 3 of 8 um it just feels like to me since they took patrick beverly out reggie jackson has been better way better offensively and it showed you know for rick carlisle and dallas you know they really they really did not have an answer for the wing defenders. You know they could not stop Paul George, and they could not stop Kawhi Leonard, and that was the big thing. Forty eight percent shooting, thirty nine percent from three. Mavericks only had five threes on the night, five threes, and shot under thirty five percent. It was like the Clippers, you know, and this is and this is actually true. If Luca had had another forty four point game. We're talking about this 106-81 victory for the Clippers. Probably, you know, a, a more closer game of a 106-100. But because Dorian Finney-Smith didn't have a good game with 3 of 9, with 8 points, with Chris Stepps was in his 7 of 12, only 5 rebounds, um, 18 points, which Chris Epps still had a good game offensively. The problem has been with Chris Stepps, is Chris Epps is not getting the rebounds and everything like that. And Chris Steps needs to be getting more rebounds. He's seven three. So why isn't Chris Steps getting more rebounds? That's that is a big thing. And you look at and you look at Dallas. Dallas really didn't have a lot of help off the bench. They had Boban Marjanovic with five of nine, twelve points. He had six rebounds. He actually had more than um, Chris Steps, which is amazing. Um, Josh Richardson was two of seven with five points, and Jalen Brunson two of eight with seven points. And for the Clippers, you know, off the bench, they had a Vince's Zubox, 2 of 5 with 5 points. They had Rajon Rondo, 3 of 6 with 7 points. This was everything that, that the Clippers needed. The Clippers had the better offense. They had the better shooting. And Kawhi Leonard and Paul George really could have the games that they wanted. And this was probably the Clippers' best defensive game all series. And this would probably be the best Clippers game defensively all series. Um... Because I don't see – if Luka is way better, which I'm assuming Luka will be, Luka comes out and has another 40-point game, Clippers are really going to have to – they're going to have to just stop Tim Hardaway Jr. and these guys. I think Tyron Lue has even made this clear that he's probably not going to stop Luka. Tyron Lue said afterwards, though, he said that, look here – he and he was saying this here when the Clippers were down 0-2. He was like saying, well – You know, the Mavericks won the first two games, and they didn't have no pressure on them, and we'll see how they are when their backs are against the wall, and Dallas really did play hard in Game 3. The problem was they just didn't have anything else outside of Luka scoring, and Game 4, Luka was injured, so that hurt Dallas really bad, and that really just, just, it was just bad for Dallas. But those were the... um, All the weekend games of this week that we've now recapped on keeping it 200. Of course, for tonight, we've got the Wizards, Sixers that I've already covered, and the Jazz Grizzlies that I've already covered. Um, Tuesday, it'll be the Celtics at Nets, Trailblazers at Nuggets, and Lakers at Suns. So it's back to three games on the playoff schedule Um, for Tuesday. um, Probably we'll be back tomorrow. Can't guarantee anything, but if I'm not, what's Wednesday looking like for Wednesday, June 2nd? We've got the probably won't have a Wizards Sixers game, but probably will have a Grizzlies, Jazz, Hawks, Knicks, and Mavericks Clippers. So, but that's all for the Keeping It 200. This was for the NBA playoff recap. I'm still going to be doing a whole nother show on double or nothing. This was episode 13 of Keeping It 200. Episode 14 of Keeping It 200. We're going to be just talking about nothing but the AEW pay-per-view. Double or nothing. Um, Don't know when I'll get to the Raw review. It'll, it, because Raw has not started yet anyway. But I don't know when I'm going to get to it this week. we got NXT Tuesday. And we got Raw tonight as well. But that's all for the Keeping It 200 NBA Playoff recap. Thank you for watching. Um, of course... Just be looking out for episode 13 and 14 on Spotify. Thank you. Peace.